Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Now, here is a motion picture film. Showtime! To do the bimes. Say hello to my little friend! Go ahead. Make my day. Come quietly or there will be trouble. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Inconceivable! Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm sorry, boys. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. Will. Hey, hey. Professor Smoke. Yep. So uh, it, it's very fortunate, uh, Will, that you made it here this week because I'm pretty sure you nominated this one and we spun the wheel and it landed on it, right? Uh, sure. I, I, think so. <laughs> I think that's how we got to this one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how it happened. So yeah, there we go. We're going to be talking about Fight Club from 1999, uh, which on the surface you're like, Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, cult movie, what the fuck? But like, even though this is a big budget movie, it kind of... It very much underperformed in the box office. I mean, you can barely say they ended up making money on it. I think it probably definitely at least broke even and then made more money for sure once it got to DVD and everything. But I think critically it wasn't really acclaimed at the time, believe it or not. And then it was kind of upon further review years later that it's kind of become more of a cult favorite and it's kind of become somewhat even bigger in the, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years later than it was even at the moment that it came out. Now I would, I would also add that we were probably in that age range of like, this is perfect. So we all loved it when it came out. Right. <laughs> Cause I think mm. I, for myself, I was uh, 19 when this came out. So uh, this was like right in my wheelhouse at the time. But I think like by and large, it wasn't necessarily loved until s- some time had passed. So we'll get into a little yeah. bit more of that. Venture was, was a, a fan of the novel, right? Now he just wanted to do the movie, yeah, sort of a pet project or something, and they just gave it to him. Okay, he's enthusiastic about it, and then the uh, box office didn't, unfortunately, uh, cooperate. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into uh, more background information here shortly, but we want to put out on Front Street: if you have not seen Fight Club, we encourage you to hit pause now, go track it down. You know, I think there's multiple places you can watch it. Go check it out if you haven't seen it, and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode because uh, I think this is one that you want to see. If you have not seen this, you need to go see this. We also encourage you to go over to aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe where you can go see all of our latest YouTube videos there. We've got Spook Show Rewind, Hammer Horror In Order, Video Vortex, Grindhouse Gutter, all the separate series that we do over on YouTube just about every week, every month. Those are available over there on YouTube. And we also encourage you to go to patreon.com slash a spook show where every month you get uh, our video mini sodes, which include the 
the library, the professor. And of, of course the biggest highlight there is the Crabster Peace Theater that we do every month. Uh, every month we run a poll for, we nominate four big steaming piles of crap and you vote on them. And if you <laughs> vote on these polls, you owe it to us to go become a patron at patreon.com slash spook show. Since you are, you are the ones that made us watch this particular movie. You should have to pay to listen to it at least. Come on, help us out. <laughs> so just last month we had to watch troll Two, which good Lord almighty. Um, <laughs> The polls just closed the other day for, for here in the month of April. So we cannot announce just yet. We're still tabulating, so to speak, what the winner will be here for April. But that episode will come out at the end of the month on April 28th over on patreon.com slash a spook show. So we encourage you to go check that out. So without any further uh, buildup, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Fight Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Ow! Hit me in the ear! It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up all night. And she ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No. God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. I gotta take Fight Club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god. In the end, you will thank me. Wow! Wow! Could you fight anyone? Who would you fight? Shatner. I'd fight William Shatner. Alright, so there you go. So I, I'm going to assume right out the gates, uh, we have all seen this movie multiple times, right? Yeah. yeah. What movie is this again? <laughs> it's a Zombie Fight Club. Isn't that the one you watched? Yeah, we don't really need to go into a deep discussion of our history with it and everything. Uh, but I will add though, that I actually got to see this a couple of days before it came out. Uh, when I was at the time when this movie came out, I was working in a movie theater and I was there that night that they built the print when they got the print in. So this was like a Tuesday night or a, th a Wednesday night or something, you know, a couple of days before it got released wide. And, uh, 
I stuck around because the way it used to always work is they'd build the print and then somebody had to sit there and watch it to make sure the reels were in order and there were no big mistakes or anything like that. So me and a couple other guys that worked there, we stayed and watched that. And then we were all just like, holy shit, that was awesome. You know, like instantly that night. So, um, it, it became a favorite of mine, you know, speaking for myself, like right there from that night. And I've seen it multiple times since then. So, uh, but this movie actually debuted September 10th of 1999 at the Venice film festival, uh, did pretty well. And then eventually got released October 15th here in the United States and other countries. So it opened wide October 15th of 1999. It was produced by Fox 2000 pictures, Regency enterprises and Linson films. And it was distributed by 20th century Fox. Of course, if you've seen this movie, you know, it's rated R. Total runtime of two hours and 19 minutes, which sounds a bit on the long side, but mm. it really does not feel like a two hour, 19 minute film. No, no, no it, 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 you know, it, it hits pretty quick and it's, uh, I mean, we've sat through movies that are, oh. you know, under, under two hours that feel like, oh, yeah. you know, we've, two, I mean, feel through, like we've sat through movies that were less than an hour and a half that felt like way longer double than that this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on IMDb, of course, it's listed as a drama. Uh, the movie was filmed in various locations in and around Los Angeles, California from June 1st to December 11th of 1998. So it was a long, long production window there for a budget of roughly somewhere between 63 to $65 million, which when I was doing some research, apparently that was one of the problems with it was that the, the budget kept going up. And when it, when it started to balloon, they actually, there was some people involved that wanted to pull the funding. They're like, yeah, this is, you're getting, you're getting in over your head. And Fincher, David Fincher, who directed it was like, no, I got to have this money. So he ended up taking a little less to finish, I guess, just to get the finished product out there. But so it was roughly around 63 to 65 million. And it, and it went on to a worldwide gross of $101.2 million dollars which like I said off the top on the surface sounds like, well, you know, it did pretty well, but I think with the, you know, all the money that they put into it to, uh, 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 for the PR and all that type of stuff, they barely, you know, at least broke even, or maybe made a little profit and it actually gained more steam and probably got more money on DVD rentals and everything and, and purchases after the fact, once it was released in 2000 on uh home video, that weekend that it came out was the weekend of October 15th, through the 17th, 1999. So here we go with the top 10 at the box office that week. Number 10, which also had uh, opened up that weekend, The Omega Code. I don't remember that one. Mm, Number nine. It sounds familiar. I, I don't really just don't recall it. Number nine, Blue Streak. I think that was Martin Lawrence. I'm not yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, number eight, The Sixth Sense. It was in its 11th week. And, and I will say, I was once again, I was working in the theater at this time. That movie was still kicking ass. Like, even though it's only number eight and it had been out 11 weeks, man, almost every show we had of that, especially on the weekends back then, that thing was packed. Like, people just couldn't get enough of the sixth sense when that when it was still playing here. Number seven, Superstar. <laughs> that uh, SNL. Yeah, that SNL movie. Uh, number six, Random Hearts. Number five, American Beauty. That's another great one of the time. Number four, Three Kings. Number three, also in its opening weekend, The Story of Us. Number two, in its fourth week, Double Jeopardy. And it had been doing pretty well the previous few weeks before that. And number one, the big debut, Fight Club. 
it made just over $11 million in its opening weekend. So started off, started off really well. And I think it kind of, uh, you know, kind of, it played for a while, but it kind of, you know, went down from there as most movies do. But yeah, there's your box office snapshot there. Uh, of course, this movie is based on the novel Fight Club by Chuck Palooniuk. Is that how you say his name? I think we'll go with it. Yep. Chuck Palooniuk. Chuck yeah. Th- this was interesting, too. You know how sometimes we see, like, alternate casting type stuff? When I was digging around, I found the the, the three main roles of, uh, of you know, the one that went to uh, uh, Edward Norton, right? They and mm-hmm. I'd never really noticed it either, by the way. That in the credits they they credit him as the narrator. He doesn't have a name. He's just, yeah. yeah. And you and then you when you think about it, you never, you know, we'll get you never learn his yeah, name. You never learn his I name, mean, you do, you know, but you don't. You know, you do, but you know. Then you know we'll get into that once we get into the movie. But uh, they originally wanted either Matt Damon or Sean Penn to play that role, and. <laughs> Basically, Fincher's like, no, I want uh, Edward Norton based on some other movie that he had done that he had seen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he would be right for it. So he got the role, and they paid him two and a half million. But they wanted a bigger name, which eventually went to Brad Pitt, right? But they had originally wanted Russell Crowe for the role of Tyler Durden that <laughs> went to Pitt, and then eventually he took the role, and they paid him seventeen and a half million dollars. And the more interesting one was the role of. Uh, Marla Singer, which was played by Helena Bonham Carter. They originally wanted Janine Garofalo. Oh, God. And then uh, essentially, like, I think a couple people involved, yeah, no, she would not. That's it. (laughs) That doesn't work. So they had another short list. Courtney Love, Winona Ryder, and apparently the studio really pushed hard for Reese Witherspoon. I can see Winona Ryder. Uh, Absolutely. But, I mean, her and Helena Bottom Carter are really kind of interchangeable pieces in a lot of mm, you know, the way they mm, are. But, just about. And, yeah. and Courtney Love probably would have been all right, but Janine Garofalo or Reese Witherspoon? Like, no. No. <laughs> I guess that Reese Witherspoon uh, suggestion was like hot off of uh, Cruel Intentions. Yeah. Uh, the I, I can't remember exactly. It might have been, but whatever came out in the time period. And also, once again, like I said, Fox was really trying to get some big names attached to this because I think once they started seeing some of it and they, they weren't apparently, I don't know what may or may not have changed. I didn't get deep into the story, but it sounded like whoever was hot on hot on this thing at first, wasn't hot on it by the time they started making it. So like Fox didn't really get behind this movie as much as you would, you would have thought. So they really felt it cut some of the funding for promoting it too, which is probably another thing that kind of shot it in the foot as far as, uh, they did. Apparently Fincher wanted to go one completely different other way of like how they're going to promote it. And then they're like, no, shut that shit down. And I think that didn't help how much it made either. Cause I don't know exactly what he had planned, but they didn't do it. So I, I think that getting back to the point is they wanted bigger names to help sell this thing because, well, if you know, I guess Reese Witherspoon at the time was a bigger name than Helena bottom Carter. Right. So, that's who they wanted, but luckily uh, Fincher won that war, or whoever did the casting there. Brad Pitt actually had pieces of his teeth chipped off for this role, basically so his teeth wouldn't be perfect. So he actually mm-hmm. had some of his teeth, like, you know, went to a dentist and had them, like, chipped off and eventually went back and fixed it, obviously, after the fact. But I thought that was pretty interesting. That's that's really getting in. Yeah. <laughs> when you go to the dentist, say, yeah, knock some of my teeth, parts of my teeth out so I can do this role. And and just for such a subtle thing too, it's not like it was. 
I mean, yes, it might have been a little key to the character in his presentation, but it's not like it was entirely necessary, right? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that's that's some dedication to it, especially when it <laughs> when it didn't make the money back. I mean, you're like, damn, I did all that, and it, yeah, box office not good for it. <laughs> Apparently, some of that too was like Brad Pitt wanting to do something really good after uh, what was it, Meet Joe Black? I think this was after Meet Joe Black, and like that one wasn't didn't I guess didn't go off as well as he would have liked. So he was really wanting to try to like sink his teeth, so to speak, into something like this is something cool. You know, I can get behind this kind of thing. Something that gives you more street cred, I guess, was this movie. Uh, speaking of dedication, Meatloaf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, wore, he wore a 90 pound fat suit and he wore eight inch lifts just so he would be taller than Edward Norton. Because I guess they're r- roughly the same yeah. size. Maybe he's a little mm. I don't know, but. Yeah, like that's ninety pound fat suit <laughs> that gave him the boobs. <laughs> bitch tits. The bitch tits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> talk about long lasting impacts of this movie though, when we talked about the cult status of it. This movie surprise, surprise, it actually led to like real life fight clubs breaking out in the years that followed it. Uh mm-hmm. there there were multiple ones that got like started up and sh- and shut down by law enforcement <laughs> in various cities and stuff after this came out. And then some of them actually went so far as to kind of do their own somewhat version, you know, small versions of Project Mayhem. Like they actually started like doing acts of vandalism and, and other things and kind of led to some uh, some goofy and bad shit, you know, in the years that followed. So I, I think that's also kind of added to its cult status, I'm sure, to it in the years that have passed. Kind of going back, uh, you had mentioned that uh, Meatloaf had to wear, a, you know, that fat suit. He, during the, you know, because he fights, one of the rules is no shirt, no shoes. But Meatloaf fights with a shirt on. True. Maybe it's because there they, is that. They, they didn't even want to cross that line. Well, that we don't want to see. <laughs> we don't want to see this. Just keep your don't shirt on. Don't want to see that. Yeah. Shirt on Hide the fat suit. I think that, it's probably a good thing, too, because, I mean, that would have just been uh, too absurdist of a moment yeah. there, you know. <laughs> See his big man tits just flapping everywhere. Um, it was directed by David Fincher, like we mentioned before. Uh, he would, I mean, good lord, I mean, he really is one of like uh, one of the better directors of the last twenty or thirty years, right? He would be known for directing Seven, Zodiac, Gone Girl, The Social Network, uh, Smoke. You might best remember him from uh, directing Alien Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is really, kind of, I, th- I want to say that might have been his feature film debut. Or if it wasn't his very first, it was one of the first, Alien 3. Um, yeah, definitely the first. I mean, if not the very first, the first big one for I'm, him. I'm not going to go through the list, but I encourage you to go to IMDb and check out his uh, filmography of things he's directed. Because this dude was like the music video guy of the 80s, the 90s, and e- even into the 2000s. Like, some of the biggest... Artists, you know, music artists of the 80s and, and all that time period, like Madonna, Michael Jackson, all kinds of other bands, got him to direct their music videos. So, like, just go on that list. I mean, I mean, it's it's a mile long of music videos that David Fincher had worked on before he really got deep into his uh, film career. Uh, the screenplay, because obviously this is based on the uh, the book, but the screenplay for the movie was written by Jim Oles, who really didn't do anything before or after it. I mean, there was a handful of things, but not much. The only other title that might, uh, you know, set itself apart was he, he wrote the movie jumper, but it stars Edward Norton as the narrator. He has been nominated for three Oscars throughout his career. You would best probably know him from primal fear, 
American History X, Birdman. I mean, he was just recently in Glass Onion, that uh, Ryan Johnson flick. The dude is solid in just about everything he's in. So, um, honestly, you could say Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, and Helena Bottom Carter probably in their own ways deserve some type of spotlight episode or something like that. You know, mm. you, could, you could go through <laughs> their careers. They're that big. But it also stars Brad Pitt, like we said, as, as in the role of Tyler Durden. Uh, he actually went on in his career to win two Oscars, one for Best Supporting Actor in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the, the Tarantino flick. And uh, he also got an Oscar, you know, kind of a lumped-in Oscar with uh, the Best Picture win for 12 Years a Slave. Uh, you may know him from 12 Monkeys, Ad Astra, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Moneyball, tons of movies, tons of movies. The list goes on and on. Brad Pitt, we don't need to... Uh, Talk much more about him. Helena Bonham Carter as Marla Singer. She has been nominated for two Oscars in her career. Uh, She would uh, be known from Sweeney Todd, The Demon, Barber of Fleet Street. She was in The King's Speech, uh, Les Miserables, the uh, film version of that. Uh, It also stars Meatloaf as Robert Paulson, Bob, the the guy with bitch tits. He is best known for being for being a singer, right? Like he's he's a rock and roll artist, or was unfortunately in the years since he's passed away. That was just what in the last year or two, right? Just yeah, yeah, yeah a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. For our audience, probably best known from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He was also in a, a, a in a couple of episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and a, at least one episode of that uh, other anthology series, Monsters. So that might be some other stuff you might have seen him from in the horror realm. Uh, another kind of a random casting bit, just because of what he went on to do, Jared Leto as Angel Face. He actually went on years later to win a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. He is the lead singer, guitarist for the band 30 Seconds to Mars. He played the Joker in Suicide Squad. One of Smoke's favorite movies, Morbius. <laughs> he was- oh, yeah. yeah. So that's my favorite movie of that year, whatever year it came out. <laughs> it's Morbid time. <laughs> you beat me up. Yeah. Somebody was gonna say it. Oh goddamn! <laughs> um, he was also in the kind of you know uh, cult favorite series, My So Called Life. That's one that kind of took on uh, a life of its own, kind of in the years after that. In the horror circles, he was in Urban Legend. He was in American Psycho. Uh, he was also in the Blade Runner. 2049 the Blade Runner sequel which I still to this day have not watched we're just going to have to get that on the damn show so I can sit down and watch it I haven't watched mm. it yet oh yeah I haven't seen it either and I, Blade Runner is one of my favorite sci-fi movies from the 80s yeah. and I can't believe I haven't seen the sequel so yeah we need to do that on the show yeah. I want, I'll hold off on it until we do it on the show we'll just have to force the <laughs> issue but yeah uh, Jared Leto he's had a, a hell of a career from this uh, somewhat small role here in Fight Club so Really, that's, I mean, there, there's really is a lot of stuff you could talk about with this movie, but that's where I'm going to kind of leave it. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to, in particular, that you wanted to bring up before we dive in? Like you said, a lot to cover. I think uh, probably just dive right in. Mr. Projectionist, stop the show. Here's great news you ought to know. We've just got a shipment of taste-thrilled treats, all tip-top quality and delicious eats. There are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore. There are soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more. So direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I hopped on over to Audible, typed in Fight Club to see what will pop up, and hey, what do you know? 
Fight Club by Chuck Palooniuk, narrated by Jim Colby. That one is uh, a little over five and a half hours long. So, you know, as far as uh, novels go, not, not an extremely long listen. Let's see, we've got Feminist Fight Club, an office survival manual for a sexist workplace. Smoke, that sounds like it's right up your alley. By Jessica. Oh. Uh, <laughs> a little over six hours long. And then we have, uh, well, that's just the same thing for some reason. They, they put it on here. Let's see. <laughs> Marianne and the Playground Fight. <laughs> the Babysitter's Club, book 120. That is awesome. That a babysitter's that's club a book. Fight Club? Yeah. No. When you look up Fight Club, a Babysitter's Club book comes up. <laughs> that is awesome. And it's an Audible exclusive, so we encourage you. What's to the first rule of this club? Well, we don't talk about it. That's that's probably. Oh. Or we just oh. write a thousand books and we talk about it all the time. Oh. Um, so, yeah, if any of that floats your boat, hop on over to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. So uh, it's a win-win. You get a free book out of it. You help us out. What more can you ask? So I slide back on over to IMDb and I click on plot summary. And what do you know? There's a ton of them on here, Donnie. It's Fight Club. Should I read all of them for you or should I limit it? What do you think? Do you need more information? No. 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 Well, I'm going to read a couple anyways. Mm. We've got the one sentence one. An insomniac office worker and a devil may care soap maker <laughs> form an underground fight club that evolves into much more. I'm just going to go ahead and get, I'm just going to read one more and it's going to be the longest one. I'm just going to get the long, longer one out of the way. And don't worry, Donnie, it's not as long as some other long ones we've read. This Might one, as well read a, read the book. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to help you in that regard because you're never going to read the book. So That's true. This one was submitted by Gary KMCD on IMDb. A young man leads a pretty humdrum life assessing car crashes to determine if his automobile company should issue recalls to fix problems. He also suffers from insomnia and takes to attending group therapy sessions for people who have survived various diseases. There he meets Marla, who, like him, attends those sessions, though she is neither a victim nor a survivor. His life changes when he meets Tyler Durden on a flight home. Tyler seems to be everything that he's not, and together they create a men-only group for bare-knuckle fighting. It soon becomes all the rage with fight clubs springing up across the country and the group itself becoming an anti-capitalist domestic terrorist organization. Tyler and Marla develop a relationship, leaving him often on the outside of what is going on. He f soon finds that the group is out of control, and after a major self-revelation, decides there's only one way out. I think it's a pretty pretty good brief synopsis of what's going on here, right? Without giving everything away. Yeah. Not too bad. Mm. So, where do you want to start? Do we start off? I think we should just start off with the flash frames of Tyler. Like, if this were, uh, uh, if you weren't listening to it, <laughs> which audio, part of them? Yeah, if you weren't listening to, like, listening to this, this wasn't an audio format podcast. We would be splicing in just f <laughs> frames of stuff. Yeah, yeah. little <laughs> that'd be the little free. But even before you meet Tyler Durden, there's like multiple He's, flash frames of Tyler Durden. Yeah, you see him in the office, you know, and a little later on, you see him uh, behind the doctor. Uh, you see him at the testicle meeting. Yeah. Not no better way to say that. I mean, what it is, the ball meeting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what it is. Well, the meeting of the ones that no longer have them. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And there, and then I guess we could talk about that, right, where he's going to these <laughs> various meetups of, like, the testicular cancer, cancer group and what were some yeah. of the other ones, basically, to, like, to try and feel action. 
Yeah, what it was like bacterial diseases, tuberculosis, uh, <laughs> incest survivors club. <laughs> yeah. How fucked up are you though if you have to just get basically get addicted to support groups just to sleep? <laughs> but then he meets Marla, who he calls a tourist, but she's doing the same thing that he is doing, right? Yeah. He's just yeah. he just feels the need to call her out for his bullshit. So then they decide to just split up groups. Like, all right, well, I'll take tuberculosis and bacterial on Mondays and Wednesdays, if you take, uh, 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 like you said, uh, uh, what, uh, incest, incest. And, uh, <laughs> on, uh, whatever it was. Wednesdays. Yeah. So like, that's the kind of the thing that they decide to do. So they won't run into each other. Uh, he's on a business trip and then he runs into Tyler. This is where he meets Tyler Durden on a, on a plane. And they kind of instantly strike up a conversation, an interesting conversation because he's a soap salesman. And so there you go. That's, that's how they meet before. Norton's character, the narrator, before he gets home, his condo explodes. I should say during a lot of this too, they've got some really cool uh, special effects going on where they're like when he explains how the condo explodes a little bit later on, and like yeah, show, like, you see the uh, the stove and the uh, the burner, and goes uh, back behind the refrigerator uh, to see the compressor, you know. And then all of that, just very slow motion. And it, this oh, it's was awesome. Kind of thing, yeah. This was the kind of thing that really stuck out to me at the time because, you know, you're still fresh on, like, seeing The Matrix, right? I think it mm. came out of roughly about the same time, maybe a little before this. I don't remember the date. But, like, th- this was, like, the dawn of that that next generation of movies where, like, they were starting to do the CGI stuff and do it right. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the bigger budget movies of this caliber were, like, yeah, you're getting these cool visuals and everything and they're done really well they don't look cheap ass right they don't look like hellraiser hellseeker yes yeah. <laughs> which, which came out three years after fight club <laughs> yeah. well there's a there's about a 60 million dollar difference in budget so I, i'll give them i'll give a, i'll give them that but but yeah I, I think that that for me that's what made this movie stick out as much as i mean like the performances are great and everything and, I, and i've appreciated it more and more as the years go by but i'm just going back to that that moment when I first sat down and watched it the first time in 1999, that was what really set this movie off was like, wow, these special effects, you know, when you see them, they're, they're really good. Yeah. They're, they're really good, but they, it's not like overdone. No, it's, it's used as a story, you know, like exactly. It's used in the story. It's not just obligatory. Like, yeah, here's some cool shit for cool shit's sake. It's like, <laughs> you know, when you see it, it's like, there, there's a reason, you know, Hellraiser could only dream. <laughs> well, it was a dream. Or, literally and figuratively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quit bringing it up. That was last week. We don't hear about that shit anymore. Uh, <laughs> that's in the dust, remember? We're, we're done with it. So, yeah, you, you get to the point where, like, now he has met Tyler, but then, like, Tyler, once his condo explodes, he needs a place to stay, so he ends up staying with Tyler. And then you kind of learn more about Tyler as far as like the stuff that he does. Like they said he like works throughout the night or something like that. And he works at a movie theater splicing in frames of porn movies <laughs> or uh, yeah, like two, one or two frames of porn, like saying like the latest Disney flick. <laughs> so like they cut to the theater and the kids are sitting there watching it. And then you just hear, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, splicing in a frame. All right. Maybe you can get away with that, but not the sound. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, even like putting a frame in there, I don't think you'd hear it, right? Like, well, maybe you would, yeah. but it would be so brief. And and they explain that too. Like, 
it's so brief that like you question whether you just saw that or not kind of thing. <laughs> and it would be one frame. You don't know you saw it. Yeah. You saw it. But you saw it. <laughs> yeah. Subconsciously you saw it. <laughs> Show close ups of kids crying. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't beat around the bush, so to speak, right? Like, you just, for a second there, you straight up see a big cock and balls. Like, <laughs> boom. <laughs> but he lives with Tyler in this shithole of a house. Like, it's like he just rolled up and found this house, and it is like falling apart. Water, like, every time it rains, just water's pouring from the ceiling. Uh, like, I think he described it like you turn one light on, another one shuts off. Like, it's a true shithole. Then they just randomly, that's the scene where Tyler tells him to, what does he say, Donnie? He said, hit me as hard as you can. Yeah, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. That's the, that's the line. And that from that, basically, that's where Fight Club begins, right? Like, they get they beat the shit out of each other and kind of enjoy it. So then they, they kind of go with the premise, like, well, we're just going to keep fighting in the parking lot and then two or three guys show up and two or three more. And all of a sudden you've got a crowd of guys standing around watching them fight. And then they move it down to the, to the basement of a, a what was it? Lou's Tavern. I think it was the name of the place. Yeah. They move it down to the basement of that. And then they're, they're beating the shit out of each other down there with a bunch of people. I love it though. When Lou shows up a little bit later on in the movie, <laughs> I'm fucking Lou. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a deal worked out with Irving. Well, Irving's in Ir- Irving's got a broken collarbone. He ain't here. So get the fuck out. You know, how does he get rid of Lou? Lou just basically beats his face in. You know, Tyler goes nuts and tackles him, and just like bleed, just bleeds all over him. He just, <laughs> just <right>. rubs it. <laughs> but see, in um, a real scenario, I don't think that helps. That's a great scene. That's a great scene. Well, it is a great scene, but you're right; it's probably not rooted in reality in the sense of like, what would you think would really help? Uh, what what do you think would really happen there if you did that? Well, oh, I mean, call the police. Or that other guy. Really, though? Or that Lou? other guy would have shot him. Mm, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. There's a, there's a line that uh, the, the narrator says, uh, you can swallow a pint of blood before you get sick. Yeah, when he's, uh, I think that's when he's like at the office and he's just sitting there. Yeah. And he, <laughs> so, what, somebody says something to him. Was it the boss or something? And he just looks up and smiles at him. And he's, like, and he's got blood. <laughs> Bloody teeth. teeth. (laughs) Eventually, Marla shows back up, and Tyler ends up having sex with her a lot, and very loudly throughout, (laughs) and very loudly throughout the house in multiple scenes, like just screaming, and then you know Norton's characters just pacing back and forth, having to listen to it. And again, went through one of those uh, special effects scenes where they're mid-sex and uh, the camera like rolls all around them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of shows the dream sequence kind of aspect of it all, right? Uh, Then you get to the fact that Tyler Durden is a soap maker, but how how does he make the soap? Human fat, right? (laughs) (laughs) He sells her own fat asses right back to him. Which is the gro- <laughs> it's the grossest thing ever too because they break into this place and take a bunch it's like a liposuction place right yeah so they take these huge like, bags they of, have dumpsters yeah, back. out in the back <laughs> and just, they take these huge bags of just full of bloody fat where they've been liposuctioned and one of them gets caught on top of the barbed wire fence <laughs> I was like oh fuck <laughs> do when you're stealing bags of human fat <laughs> yeah how many times have I been in that situation huh Bob you had met earlier, which I, we may have failed to mention. I don't remember whether in, in those meetings that he was attending at the beginning of the movie, you meet Bob. He's in the testicular cancer meeting. 
the reason that Bob sticks out is because, like he says in the movie, Bob has bitch tits. Bob has, like, <laughs> women's boobs because, I guess, the estrogen or something he was taking, something like that, right? And it made him grow tits. <laughs> like, full-on, <laughs> big-ass, like, floppy double-D tits. <laughs> <laughs> And so fast forward to this part of the movie where Bob joins up, you know, he, he shows up or I guess this is where some of the cracks start to show, you know, which you'll find out what's going on a little bit later. And that like some things are happening without Norton's character knowing what's going on. Like all of a sudden, like mm-hmm. he runs into Bob randomly and Bob has been doing the fight club. And, but meanwhile, he's never seen Bob. They're like, wait a minute, what the fuck? So cut turns to find out, you know, like Tyler's been having all these fight club meetings where he's not aware of them. Right. Like more, fight clubs have been going on in various places and in particular that one place on different nights of the week other than just that one night a week it becomes a bigger thing the fight club right so now tyler gives out homework and the homework for everybody there is to go out and fight a stranger and lose yeah (laughs) now smoke if you had to if you had we gave you homework and you had to go out and fight a start a fight with a random stranger i guess the better question is is uh um a an actual line that narrator says uh if you could fight anyone who would you fight yeah that is that is probably the better question and myself i'd probably fight the one that picked uh the hellraiser series <laughs> oh that's yourself then kind of like in the <laughs> wham, wham. Oh. no now i didn't pick the series now we had a vote all the way back yeah. in like late 2021 i think it was like yeah. what's going to be the next series? And everybody voted uh, Hellraiser. So yeah, yeah. So whoever did that, I want to fight. Them. I tell you, I already know who I would fight. Okay. I'd fight Don Mancini, the creator of Chucky. <laughs> I cannot stand those freaking movies, man. Anyway, that's who I'd fight. That's that's an unnecessary hatred you have. I think that's like, <laughs> I it's, un- it's unwarranted. <laughs> what about you, Will? Who, who would you fight? Holy hell! <laughs> you made me watch anything. <laughs> you, make, you make me come and record these things. The whole that whole aspect of it that was that was a funny uh, sequence when like these people. They, he's like, it's harder to it's harder than you would imagine just to go out and pick a fight with a random person because basically like people don't want to fight back, you know. And and he's probably right. Like if you just went up and just you know did these things that they did and tried to fight people, they probably wouldn't fight back. They'd probably run away from you. You know, like what the fuck's wrong with you? And then just run. <laughs> Like the like the priest. Yeah, he he actually kind of fought back a little bit though. Uh, he, he, he was it. He hit the uh, the guy with the hose and yeah. the guy with the hose started chasing him. He's like, sorry. And then he drops the Bible and then he just turns the hose uh, on the Bible and that's when the guy says no. Of course, now a lot of with people being strapped, yeah, you know, they they don't want to get in fights anyway, so they're gonna pull a gun and blast. Yeah, then there's that aspect of it. Yeah, like. You go out and punch some random person, you you might die. So, yeah, mm. we don't encourage it. <laughs> but speaking of beating the shit out of people, he beats the shit out of himself. And that's how he's able to, like, get paid, but yet not have to work anymore, right? <laughs> he basically beats the shit out of himself in his boss's office and then, like, crawls up his boss right when, like, security walks in. So it looks like the boss has beat the shit out of him. And then he just, he's walking out smiling with, like, <laughs> the computer. Blood, like... Yeah, a bunch of office equipment. He's got, you know, blood pouring from his face, just whistling. And they say he got, like, uh, what, like, basically a year's worth of salary and, like, a bunch of uh, uh, free yep. tickets to fly and all that. 
Mm. So that's how they were able to fund Fight Club and make it an every night bigger thing than even that had grown to this point. Then you see them start to do like random mayhem. Now they end up calling it Project Mayhem, but basically that's all it is at first. It's like, you know, uh, go pop somebody's tires or whatever the hell they were doing. You know, these random acts of uh, stupidity, mayhem, however you want to phrase it, Anar- anarchy kind of, right? Basically out of that, though, he's able to start building an army. Like these guys like Bob and all these other dudes that uh, are totally devoted and like move into the house with them and Tyler Durden and, you know, he is God, right? They, they are gods. Angel Face, you know, that's Jared Leto's character. He yeah. uh, is kind of starting to climb up the, r- the rung a little bit, so... Norton's character basically in a, in, in a, a fight in the fight club just beats the teetotal shit out of him. I mean, fucks his face all up. Oh yeah. And what was his, what, what was the line that he said? Why he did it? Um, he wanted to, he, uh, uh, break something that was beautiful or something like they, that. He wanted to destroy something beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, you don't see him until a little bit later, I guess once he's healed up a little bit, but like, man, his face is all Jack. Like, he looks like a damn, <laughs> Broken nose, like nose is on one side, the other side of his face, and eyes all. Yeah, he's just fucked up. Yeah. Then you have the scene of Tyler wrecking the car. Like Tyler is driving, Norton, you know, is Mm. beside him. And what was that? What was the point of that? Was basically let go, like let go of what you know, kind of thing, right? And they literally just let go of the steering wheel, and then of course it just nails a car that's parked on the side of the road and. But they're all okay. They, you know, they get rolled up, but they're okay. They have that um, Project Mayhem. Uh, I guess they're uh, vandalizing an art installation, and uh, I guess they exploded a, uh, I guess the base of a, a ball or whatever, like a sculpture. The sculpture rolls down. Anyway, so uh, I guess they're running away, and then the cop, I guess security guard or something, uh, ends up shooting Bob, killing him. Yeah. They bring him back. And, you know, put him on the table in the house and they take off his little oh, yeah, yeah. That was toboggan hat. Like, you know, uh, the narrator, Norton's character, yeah. comes in and is like, what happened to Bob? And he pulls that toboggan back and then his just brains just spill out. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. That, I think that's, that's probably one of the gorier scenes in the movie, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, there's a couple other moments, yeah. but that's probably the holy shit, you know moment of the movie yeah that's the actual gore because up to that point you know it's like just brutal fisticuff type violence and stuff for the most part but yeah that that was the actual but probably the goriest scene oh yeah not long after this because you know bob was his friend right so like he kind of starts to go down the slippery slope of like he finally comes to the realization that he himself edward norton the narrator he is tyler durden he is brad pitt's character yeah so now he starts you know, putting that, the pieces together yeah, and then you get into that. That's the big reveal of like, holy shit, this whole time, everything that has happened, he's doing it. It's like a split personality kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And you, it kind of backtracks and it is, you know, you see, you know, when they bring in, I, I guess is maybe the politician. I, I don't remember what it is, uh, where they, they, they say they're going to castrate, uh, the politician in the bathroom where it was bright. Brad Pitt's character, uh, Tyler Durden, like in his face saying, do not fuck with us in the, I guess, flashback or whatever. It's actually Edward Norton. Yeah. 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 Everything that has happened has been Edward Norton doing this himself. Brad Pitt's character does not exist. It's inside of his head. Now the question, uh, the question I have to that though is, is his name Tyler Durden? 
I know like his, his bad personality, so to speak, right? The devil on his shoulder is his name is Tyler Durden, but is this guy, Edward Norton's character, the narrator, is he Tyler Durden or is that like his bad persona? And he has another well, name that we never learned. Good question. You never, you never see a, like a, typically in an office, you'll have like a nameplate and you know, you never see a nameplate. His boss never calls his name. Uh, nobody else ever calls his name in the movie. So, good question. I don't know. What do you think, Smoke? I've never novel, so I don't know if the novel, you know, if, if novels the same way or not, or if they give him a name or or whatever. But I don't know. I would assume. I don't know. I guess it just leaves you up to interpretation. I mean, it could just be that Tyler Durden is the AKA of his of this other personality that's more assertive or whatever. Maybe that is his real name. I don't know. I think it just leaves it up to interpretation that you can kind of figure it out on yourself, whichever way you think it is. But like I said, I don't know if the novel does the same way or if it's actually gives him a name separate. In the end, I guess it really doesn't matter. Right. But it would be interesting to know, like, well, was that his name all along or is that just like he, he has snapped and that's his crazy name. So to speak, you know, now he's going by the name Tyler Durden and nobody really knows who this fucking dude is, but interesting. So now he is trying to go back and undo everything that he has done. He's, he has set all these wheels in motion without even fully being aware of what he was doing. So now he's like kind of trying to backtrack. He literally hops from plane to plane to city to city where they've set up other fight clubs and they have all these things in place. And, and, and literally everywhere he goes, everybody's like, uh, is this a, t- have you seen me before? Or is this a test? <laughs> no, it's not a yeah. fucking test. You know, like, like everywhere he goes, he's having like, everybody's testing themselves on him, you know, but he finds that there are multiple bombs in multiple locations all across the city. And basically the plan is to blow up these banking centers. Right. So the, the, the thought process would be if you blow up all the banks, everybody's credit goes to z- back to zero. Everybody's on a level playing field, right? That's kind of the end game of what they're doing here. Yeah, I would say, yeah. So basically the big showdown in the end is Tyler and the narrator, which you know, we know now is he, he, he's fighting with himself. He basically has a big knockdown track out with himself <laughs> and then has himself, you know, takes himself up to the top of the building or whatever so they can watch all the buildings blow up. Just before it's about to happen, Tyler has a gun, right? Brad Pitt's character has a gun. He's like, wait a minute, if I'm you, that means I have the gun. And then all of a sudden the gun appears in his hand. He takes the gun, puts it in his mouth, pow. Um, it only kind of goes through what, like, his the side Maybe of his, his cheek yeah, or something? side of his face. But for Tyler, Pitt's character, it actually goes to the back of his head and kills Tyler Durden. It kills that persona, right? Yeah. And then just basically right at the same moment, or right after that, I should say, uh, his, goon, Marla his comes goons up. brings Marla up there. And then they just kind of hold hands and turn around and watch all the buildings blow up the end. I love that they played uh, Where's My Mind by the Pixies. That's a perfect fucking song for that moment in this movie. Will, what do you think about the uh, the way this ended and the way it did it make sense? Oh, no, I think I think it made perfect sense. I mean, you know, for for this character to kind of finally become full circle and become what you would assume whole again. Yeah. Cause you I know, think I he think even he, delivers the line of like, are, she says, are you okay? Is it? Yeah, actually I am. I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like, so you, you do. You met of, me at a really weird time. Yeah, <laughs> You met me at a real, really weird time <laughs> in my life. Um, but it does, you're right. It does kind of come full circle in that, like all the problems that he's dealt with throughout this entire movie, you've, you've seen play out. Now he's, you know, it took some fucked up 
shit, right? But he's mentally, I guess he's okay or as okay as you're going to be in the scenario, right? Yeah. Now you were talking about the book earlier. Uh, I read the book like, Oh my goodness. Like probably 15 years ago. It feels like, uh, I do not remember if they ever actually said who's who, but the, the end of the book is, uh, slightly different. I don't know. Should I, should I say the end of the book in this or well, we're spoiler filled? So, uh, I think it's fair game. Just, just know from here on, if you've never read the book, spoiler alert. <laughs> so he's upstairs in the building and Marla and, and, and the entire group of people that, uh, he was going to meetings like with, the, the, I'll come up and his, meet him. His goons or whatever. Goons. No, no, not his goons. Like, like the the people oh, that were oh, in like, the meetings. Okay, I got you. I got you. They go and uh, meet him at the top of this uh, building, and I, I believe they brought the cops. Uh, all the explosives that he made, he made wrong. Ends up going to a mental institution, and while he's in there, you know, he's just like, all right, well, I can't hurt anybody. You know, like, like this is this is the best thing for me. And like the la- I'm pretty sure it's like the last line in the book is uh, uh, somebody slides the the little opening in the door. And there's two guards standing out there, and one of them looks back and says, "Don't worry, Mister Mister Durden, everything's still going exactly as planned." Mm. So it's it's that mo- that book is is a mind f from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I have not uh, read it. The, the original novel or anything like that, but there actually were two sequels to the, not movies, not books, but graphic novels, comics. Uh, they released <laughs> fight club two and fight club three written by, uh, Chuck Palooniuk, right? Years ago, like all the way back to like 2015 or so, I think something like that. So I have, I haven't read, I, I actually have, I want to say like the graphic novel of Fight Club Two and haven't watched it or uh, watched it, read it, but yeah, they do exist. So if you want to read uh, what I guess would be sequels from the source, they do exist. So if that interests you, go check them out now. I didn't see them on Audible when we looked some stuff up there during the break, but uh, yeah, they they are out there. So you might want to get your hands on those. Be interesting to see where they went with it, where he goes with it, you know, after what happened there, you know. But I would imagine it'd be more of a follow up. I think it's more of a follow up to the book than say, you know, follow up to what we just watched in this movie. So, so there you go. That's a uh, fight club. Now, uh, Will, since, uh, you nominated this one and we spun the wheel and it landed on it, we'll go ahead and let you go first. So what's your, uh, so what's your star rating here? Now, remember this is Colt corner. So we're not necessarily comparing this to Hellraiser, Hellseeker, or any of that other stuff. So, <laughs> well, too bad because this would be like one of the few times I would give out a five. Yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> Uh, from the first time I saw it, uh, dude, easily double digits. How many times I've seen this, but like probably into the, like the 20 or 30 range at least. Wow. I love this movie. It, it's, it's such a fun movie to go back and, and look for like little hidden Easter eggs. It, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Donnie, what do you say? You know, um, I got to echo Willie. Uh, it's a, it's a five. I, I think it, it's a crime to, uh, to give it anything less than, uh, I mean, I, I could get maybe, maybe four and a half, uh, maybe even four, but anything, uh, less would be crime, but it, it's, it's a five for me. Love this movie. It's awesome. It's just always a great watch. Anything less would be uncivilized, which means <laughs> I'm about to be uncivilized. I'm going to give it four and a half. 
because and I only say it because it's not like the perfect movie, but it, it really is. It's it's a movie that's in my wheelhouse, but I can I can see some of the f- some flaws with it. You know, there's some, not many, but there's some. Uh, but I, yeah, I love this movie. I've seen it multiple times, and you know, for me, honestly, on my scale, you know, and I know it's kind of a separate scale for Colt Corner. I don't quite put this in the category of Goodfellas, and that's and I gave a five to Goodfellas. So just yeah. being fair to that one and kind of how I feel on it right now, that's what I'm going to say. But you know, hey, you never know. Come uh, October, I might have a change of heart, and I might decide to, you know what, fuck it, it's a five. But right now, I'm going to say four and a half. Smoke, what do you say? It's all everything's been said. I guess that we can say about it, other than that, uh, you know, we we go into the deep dives here, but one place we don't go too deep into because we're a movie entertainment thing is uh, politics, society, culture, and things like that. And there's a lot of uh, things going on in this movie that are to do with all three of those Absolutely. factors as well. So. Absolutely. But we're not going back in deep dive here. <laughs> but let's just say there's a lot of meat on the bone there for that too, if you want to get into that aspect of it. But yeah, this movie—I I don't think I could give it any less than a five as well here. And I mean, this is Cold Corner, so it gets—you know—things are maybe could be a little bit boosted or elevated or whatever. But even if it wasn't in Cold Corner, I probably I might still go with a five. But uh, yeah, that's five stars. So that brings the consensus for us to a four point eight out of five stars. So uh, I guess I was the wet the wet blanket there. I brought it down. <laughs> I fucked the curve up a little bit. But hey, you know, it's, it's just the way I see it. By and large, I think the critics pretty much, and just the uh, audiences and everything, the, the aggregates that we look at, they've pretty much agreed. IMDb gets 8.8 out of 10 stars, which is pretty high on there. For that many people to vote, you know, it's that's pretty high. Metascore was actually a lot lower than I thought it would be. Uh, out of 100, it's only 66. Mm. I was kind of surprised by that. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, on the tomato meter, 79%, which, you know, we've had ones that are higher than that. But still, that's really good, and it is certified fresh on uh, Tomato Meter. And the audience score, 96%. That's that's probably one of the higher audience scores we've seen uh, over on Rotten Tomato. So there you go. That's uh, that's what our final thoughts as far as our star ratings and all that stuff is concerned. But we're not we're not out of here quite yet. We don't do the gore score. We don't do the, uh, the highlight kill. We don't do the kill count because you know, this wasn't a horror movie, although there were some gory aspects to it, but you know, we're not going to go deep into that, but we do have. Donnie, where's the cult connections? Come out and play. <laughs> well, come on. All right. Out. All right. So yeah, I had been, uh, oh, kind of, you're, you're not going to go. <laughs> Yeah, that's a running joke here. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had, I had actually kind of touted this uh, uh, up to you guys that, uh, oh, I had a, uh, had a good one, oh, yeah, uh, good, forgot, good connection for uh, Fight Club. So uh, basically on the, uh, on the crew side, I'll start with the crew side. Um, we have makeup effects. Um, Margaret Prentice uh, also worked on uh, The Howling and Evil Dead 2. So pretty good uh, connection there. Uh, also on the cast side, you never actually see his face, uh, but um, Ryan Locke played a, uh, a model in Fight Club, and he was also in the uh, past Spook Show episode, uh, The Ginger Dead Man. That's it. He played <laughs> played <laughs> Amos Cadbury. <laughs> 
He played yeah, honky so. sausage number one. <laughs> Good God. Bro. The Ginger Dead. You know what? I don't know how many connections you've had to the Ginger Dead, man. There hadn't been many, have there? Uh, I mean, not much. Some, not much. It's not one we hear. It's usually you're talking about House of Wax or uh, <laughs> Garbage Pub Kids movie or something. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's that's where we'll leave it. Uh, great movie. Great nomination by you, Will. It, it was nice just to be able to sit down and watch it because it's been the first time uh, in quite some time, probably in the last eight to 10 years that I've sat down and watched this movie from like the beginning to end. So it was nice to sit down and watch it again. So, uh, good pull next week. Hopefully it's a good pull again. Donnie, you picked it. It's going to be, uh, your next selection and you, you get to pick an older one. So, uh, what do you, what'd you pick? What are you going to throw at us? So I picked, um, I had actually picked, uh, Cronenberg uh, uh, film a while back uh, when we did the Fly remake. So I dipped into Cronenberg again this time around, and I chose Videodrome. Well, I know you've seen that one a number of times, right? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, my bad. That's what I get for assuming, you know. Uh, the IMDb synopsis for that one is a programmer at a TV station that specializes in adult entertainment. Searches for the producers of a dangerous and bizarre broadcast. That one's from 1983. Like you said, a uh, directed and written by David Cronenberg. So yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we we got some other cool things coming coming down the pipe after Videodrome. So you want to uh, stick to aaspookshow.com and all, of course all of our socials and everything. And uh, we encourage you to go join us up on uh, Patreon at patreon.com/aaspookshow. So for uh, Donnie, Will, the Professor Smoke. I'm Josh. We're from the All-American Spook Show, and we'll talk to you next week for Video Drone. Please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you.